Welcome to the Mind Your Body Podcast, episode number three. This is your host, Jacob Andre, and today we're talking to Adam Martin, or more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. If you want to know more about intermittent fasting, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people. And more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the show. My name is Jacob Andre. This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. And today I'd like to welcome to the show, Adam Martin. Thank you very much for having me on, Jacob. How are you, Adam? I know you're over in London at the moment. You're living in southern France and you've been over there. You're going to be over there for about a year. You're currently in London. How is things over there? Uh, London's great. Um, it's been quite challenging uh, moving to France, um, more challenging than we, than we thought it was going to be. Um, so I have to say it's nice uh, being able to speak uh, English again and kind of uh, people understanding us and uh, we understanding them. So, um, And the weather's been great, So, um, which is unlikely uh, the case in London or the UK. So, no, we're having a, a great time here and the uh, family are enjoying the sights and sounds of London. <laughs> we were just chatting uh, before we clicked record about London. I was saying how we spent four days there in 2011 and most of those four days were quite sunny and, and beautiful, sort of mid-20s to high-20s and, and absolutely lovely. And everyone was saying that we got the only days of sunshine for the year. Is it similar at the moment? Um, I, I always jokingly um, say that as well, but I think um, we as the outside looking in um, kind of give London, I think, a bad a bad rap. I don't think it's as bad as we say. Um, but, yes, I think you're right that um, it does uh, sometimes not have the most uh, seasonal weather when it might be summer, it might be uh, pouring down with rain. But, yeah, we've, we've had pretty good uh, weather here as well. Um, the last couple of days have been beautiful and allowed us to go sightseeing. Um, but the day we, or the day after we got here, it was 15 degrees and pouring down rain in uh, the end of summer. So, you know, you just kind of take it with uh, a grain of salt of whatever the weather's going to be and go with it. Actually, you know the thing I noticed about London when we arrived, the moment we arrived at Heathrow Airport, it just felt like the city had an absolute buzz about it. Like there was like an atmosphere about the city which I couldn't explain. And I think that some cities just have this energy about it. Did you feel that? Yeah, I, I, um, I've been a, a city boy my whole life, basically, and so I, I love that kind of energy that a city brings to it. And I have to say, moving to um, where we have been recently in France, it's been a much smaller town. I've enjoyed that. But then coming back to um, now London, that energy you speak of and the kind of buzz of people, you know, hustle and bustle and getting to work and there's always something going on and there's always noise, there's always movement. And I've I've actually missed that. So, yes, that kind of – that feeling of – whether it's kind of a bit kind of airy-fairy to say, but the, the city feels like it's alive, like there's mm. always something going on. And um, as I said, just that – I mean, it comes from, I guess, my work ethic in that I'm, I'm always on the go. I'm always wanting to do something, always got an idea, always moving forward. And that definitely has that feeling here. And I feel like I'm kind of around people that are like me kind of thing. So um, I love that. 
So I'm interested to find out more about your move over to France and and then now being in London. We know you as the No Breakfast Guy and, you know, the book Start Late, Stay Light, and you're all about intermittent fasting. How – just tell us a bit of background about Adam Martin and the family and how you've come to end up in France for a year. Um. I could probably talk about myself for far too long and it'll probably get a little boring. So I'll try and um, shorten it down a kind of little bit and kind of give you a bit of back end of uh, who I am and kind of why this trip is actually um, something that no one probably would have ever guessed that we would have done. Um, but basically just a Melbourne boy born and bred, um, had two of the best parents that uh, humans could ever ask for um, and basically instilled um, the idea that, if you want something in life, go and work for it. Um, you know, never took a handout and never was given anything by my parents. Um, they always gave, um, obviously, every bit of support and anything that I ever did. But, um, you know, if I wanted the new pair of shoes that every, every kid had at school, mum and dad were like, well, go and do your chores, go and do this, and go and, you know, save up the money yourself to go and do it. And so from a very early um, kind of time in my life, I always knew work was going to be the kind of defining factor that would kind of lead me to where I wanted to be. Um, and from very early on, um, I kind of knew I was never going to sit at a desk because it just didn't interest me whatsoever. Um, my parents both worked a, a nine to five, but never a nine to five. They were obviously much longer hours than that, but the typical nine to five job in kind of an office. And I just, heard them say day in, day out how much they just despised their job. And I knew I never wanted to kind of be that kind of um, – or be in that kind of world. So I knew that uh, uh, I wanted to kind of be it run my own business or kind of do something that at least I loved that was outside as well because always a very fitness-orientated person, um, played every sport underneath the sun, um, but kind of landed on tennis as my kind of um, sport. And it was an injury in tennis – um, that I'm not going to say I was going to be the next best thing um, in Australian tennis, but I was certainly, I would say, a good player um, or a very good player, um, but the injury kind of put an end to that. And it was through that injury that I came across the world of kind of, you know, fitness and exercise physiology and kind of the kind of career path that that could have. Um, and then, yeah, the stones were set from that day onwards. I was probably about 16, 17 uh, from there. And so from there, I then... Went and did a university degree, um, undergraduate, and um, that was my kind of exercise science degree. From there, then um, went and did a master's degree um, in exercise physiology. Um, and in that um, degree uh, and in, attain- in attaining my master's, I did a big um, project with Epworth Hospital in Richmond. And my supervisor out there, Chris Burns, um, who I credit a lot of my success to date, um, from he was an incredible supervisor an incredible mentor and um, still is I still talk to him not as often as I would like um, he's extremely busy himself these days but um, I do sit, uh, sit down with him every now and then um, and he kind of put me on a path to kind of where I am now because the project I did with Epworth Hospital um, I had found a niche in the market um, that I, I knew needed to be addressed um, and that was the kind of transferring patient um out of the inpatient scene in hospitals, which is extremely um, well-serviced um, with osteos and OTs and physios and exercise physiologists obviously becoming a part, a big part of that job or kind of seen now. Um, I had seen, though, that once you've kind of finished up in there, 
there's really no place for people who have had horrific injuries through car accidents or a workplace accident or just hip replacements, knee replacements, and coming into the real world again um, beyond the hospital scene. Um, there was just no one to take care of them. The next step was basically going into a commercial gym um, and with a personal trainer that probably had a four-week four um, course um, that I've got my own gripes against, but that's a story for another day. But um, kind of going into that scene and just having no idea what to do and the people who were then training them having no idea to kind of how to kind of take them on. So I thought there's definitely a business opportunity there. And so I said to him, how do I kind of go about starting my own business and how do I give this a go? And he said, I've got a good mate of mine who is a personal trainer comes from the same background as yourself, um, has got a grad dip in exercise physiology and he knew him from the uni days. He said he runs a personal training business. He's just got this um, big contract to run at a very large sports centre in Melbourne. Give him a call because I'm sure maybe you guys could maybe do something together. Um, and that was back in 2006, at the end of 2006. Um, I, uh, yeah, went and uh, had a chat with Tori um, from True Health. And the rest is history. Um, we struck, struck up a relationship from there, and I've been running my my business, which was called True Rehab at the time because it was very rehab orientated. Um, and about six years in, I rebranded that to become True X Fizz um, because it encompassed um, a lot more um, exercise physiology based rather than just the rehab um, side of that. So I started working with athletes, um, mainly young athletes, um, because of the uh, – injury I'd had um, in tennis. I never wanted to see kids have to give up their sport because of um, an injury. So I wanted to prepare young um, bodies for the rigors that um, professional sport will have. So I started working with that scene and then a whole host of other areas within exercise physiology. So yeah, we rebranded it to True Phys and True Phys still exists um, today. And um, I've got a great guy now running that for me while I'm now um, getting to gallivant around um, France and enjoy um, new family life with my new one-year-old. So, so yeah, kind of, I guess, when was it, 2015, um, when we found out that uh, we were pregnant, um, it was kind of like a light bulb moment and kind of leading back to where I'd um, said that if you'd known me my whole life, being, being here now is something that you would never have seen me do. Um, as I said, my work ethic was always my determining factor. I'm never the smartest guy. I understand I'm not the most attractive guy. So I always knew that if I'm going to have to get something, be it the girl in the nightclub or the uh, <laughs> the job or the um, kind of career or the, the house or whatever it may be, I knew that um, my work ethic was the thing that was going to get me through and I just would outwork anyone. And, um, and I was working 15 hours a day for six days a week for the last 11 years um, with – Look, I'm, I've certainly had holidays in between there, but nothing really. It's just been basically 11 years straight. And um, as soon as um, my wife came home and said, Adam, um, I'm pregnant, you know, we're having this kid. And it was a light bulb moment. That very that very second, my kind of whole outlook on life just instantly changed. And um, my idea of work, 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 work and earn money, get the nice you know, big house, the picket fence, the nice car and what everything, you know, you've been told is the kind of definition of success, um, kind of change in a moment. It kind of just all, all of a sudden just didn't matter. I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love my, my cars and I um, still want to obviously own a house um, some someday and things like that. But uh, it just didn't matter to me anymore. And what I kind of wanted to do was uh, grow up 
in an environment or help my daughter that we now have grow up in an environment where dad was around and not someone where he, you know, she only got to see me kind of for an hour before she went to bed kind of because I was getting home so late and was obviously gone well and truly before she was awake up. So, so yeah, we, um, obviously, uh, went through the whole, um, kind of pregnancy and things like that. And, uh, uh, Amy and I have talked about, um, working and living overseas kind of just on a whim from time to time. But then when she was born, I thought this is probably, there's probably not going to be no better time in life, um, than, than now to kind of do something like we're doing now. So I kind of had to take care of my business first. So kind of put some feelers out to some people that, um, I respected or who I knew, um, and also respected, but, um, had kind of relationships with in the past and a guy, um, by the name of Isaac, um, who was a student of mine. We then put him on as a personal trainer at the, um, at true health, um, and then he went back and completed his master's degree and he was just finishing up as we were basically looking to kind of take off. And I put a call out to him and said, um, how about, um, the, you know, your first job coming out of, uh, uh, universities to take on my, um, 11 year old business. How does that sound? And, um, he kind of jumped at the opportunity and was, you know, pretty scared at the opportunity, but, um, was willing to kind of give it, give it a go and, um, see what he could do. And he is, completely um exceeded any expectation i ever had um for him i always knew he would do a good job but he's done an exceptional job and he's um not only just keeping it afloat but um making it progress forward which is fantastic and um it's great to see that um he's come such uh, leaps and bounds and allowed me to kind of um jump on a plane and take six months off we were going to do a year as you had said um and we then kind of turned that into six months so we could come back for Christmas. So we took off in June and we're going to be coming back in December. Um, and yeah, here we are kind of three months in and loving life. And I get to run the actual business of Truex Fizz um, via a laptop. And I spend a couple of hours a day, hopefully outside of hours where Amelia, my daughter and my wife, Amy kind of need me around and we go and do the sightseeing things and see things, do things. And, um, yeah, so that's been great, and uh, we're just loving life and, uh, yeah, enjoying going to different places and seeing different towns, and um, we started off in Aix-en-Provence, which is a nice little town just south, um, sorry, just north of the very south of France, um, in um, just above Marseille. Um, we were there for a couple of months. We then moved to Bordeaux, um, which we are currently at now, which is in the kind of west of France, um, just probably a couple of hours from the border of Spain. Um, and we've just taken a quick uh, one-week trip over, which is the beauty of Europe. You can just jump on a plane, and in an hour's time, you can be in another um, country completely. So we thought, let's just jump on the on a plane and jump across the puddle and land in uh, in the UK. So here we are for a week, and we've got some other trips planned, which will uh, kind of play out um, over the next couple of months. And um, hopefully, um, all things will go well, which I'm sure they will. And yeah, as I said, here we are, and it's it's been challenging as i kind of said um mainly because of the um language barrier i don't speak a word of french my wife speaks some french um but no it's been fantastic and something that um if anyone can ever have the chance um to do um i know it's extremely um lavish and i was told kind of going in into this that you know am i being irresponsible because you know obviously got a family now where um, obviously not working here, so we're 
spending our savings and things like that. But um, I always say, look, I've got another 50 years still left on my life at least. And so there's plenty of time to go back and continue to earn money and kind of be the responsible father that I, you know, in quote should be. But I think uh, this experience and kind of time with my daughter is priceless. And um, I don't care what people say. If they think it's um, you know, irresponsible of me, I think it's the best thing I could have ever done. And I'm, uh, I'm loving this time with my daughter and my family and kind of really getting to know my wife as well. I mean, obviously, I've known her for 10 years, but kind of spending every single minute of every single day together, you find a lot more out about your partner, <laughs> which is uh, both good and bad, but um, I still love it a bit. And um, being on this journey with her, um, it's something we will never forget. And we're getting you know, memories that um, I'm sure we'll still laugh about when we're sitting in a rocking chair on a porch sometime when we're 80 years of age or something. Well, I've been following your Instagram stories and you've been over there for some really iconic moments. So one of them that I saw was you were there in a part of France during the Tour de France and you're currently in London and you're there on the 31st of July 2017, which of course is the 20-year anniversary of Princess Di. I saw that you're at Buckingham Palace the day before that. Like, that must, does that blow your mind? It's so exciting. It, it is. Um, we... It's, it's Amelia's fault that I missed out on my absolute number one bucket list item um, in that she was born a week later. She came a week late. Um, my number one bucket list item in life is to actually be at the Monaco Grand Prix um, and, to be on a, and to be on a super yacht watching it from the, um, the kind of Monaco um, little bay area. But because she was born a week late, we missed the Monaco Grand Prix by two days. Um, so I'm shattered about that, but it'll be another time in life I can go and do that. But, yeah. The Tour de France was certainly another bucket list item, and um, it happened to finish in Marseille. The very last um, stage was a, a criterion in Marseille, and so um, I almost didn't go. And I have to kind of say thank you to my wife because um, I'd met a guy in town in Aix-en-Provence, which is about half an hour out of Marseille, um, and it's only a quick um, bus trip down. But um, as you will know, and anyone who's got kids, you know, even a half an hour trip on a bus isn't always just a half an hour trip on a bus when you've got kids. So um, this guy had said, oh, my God, if you're not already down in Marseille and kind of finding yourself a spot, you know, don't even bother going. It'll be so busy. It'll be horrible. And it, it was a really hot day that day. And we had spent um, – because the criterion was kind of starting about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's kind of the time Amelia normally goes down. And so we put her down to sleep. And she slept a lot longer than she usually did in the afternoon. Um, and it was kind of like 3.30, and it wasn't going to be finishing up until 6.30, so we still had you know plenty of time to get down there, but I was like, you know what, it's hot. The guy at, um, that I met today said, don't even bother because it's going to be so busy, and Amelia's just woken up, and it's just – and i like, let's not go. Don't worry about it kind of thing. You know, it's, just, it's only the Tour de France, and my wife just looked at me. She goes, are you kidding me? Like, it's one of your bucket list <laughs> items, and you're – and we're here, and it's half an hour away. You're telling me you're not going to go? You will regret this for the rest of your life. And I was like, all right, let's just jump. And we got on, and we got down there, and the atmosphere, and just, I mean, I would have killed, you know, just kicked myself if I didn't go. And so I'm glad that she got us uh, moving and got us out the front door because, yeah, it was amazing. And then, yeah, being around London, um, obviously with those, um, obviously that big moment in life with uh, Princess Diana um, passing away and things like that. It's just, yeah, uh, those kind of things just, um, you know, come around once in a lifetime and kind of be able to just take that 
um, and be here and experience that and be around it, yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Yeah, just it sounds like such a dream, and I have to admit, I was quite envious of the photo you got of that guy in a black and green suit and the Tour de France coming around that bend that you put on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was um, it was just incredible. Like, I I thought there'd be so much more because of um, kind of the state of affairs over here with um, in France with the, the obviously. They've had a lot of bombings and terrorist attacks and things like that um, of recent times. I thought the security would be a lot more. Um, but to be honest, the gates were right on the road. And I mean, there was police presence, but they weren't stopping anyone from kind of hanging over the gates. And we're right on this corner at the top of this um, really steep hill. And I thought I'll be able to get, because obviously these guys are moving pretty quickly, but this is a nasty steep hill and on a bend. Um, and basically people just literally hanging over with cameras and that to the point where guys are almost getting hit by cameras and that as people were hanging over and I thought yeah if I happen to knock some guy over that's my fault and but I'll take the chance kind of thing so yeah I was really hanging over the banister and had my camera out and yeah that that picture was I took probably a thousand and that's probably the best and I'm not the best photographer in the world I just do it by a kind of um elimination so if I take a thousand there's got to be at least one in there that'll be good and that just happened to be as, as you said I think a pretty good shot and so um yeah it was uh, it was great to be there and kind of just be so close to them. We seem to be talking a lot about your Instagram, so let, let, I just want to go down that for a moment. That seems to be like taking off for you. What is that? Was that a conscious decision to? Did you choose one social media to go after or another, or was it just that you're already on Instagram that you liked photos? How come? Like um, at the moment, you're doing a lot of sort of vlogging of on your Instagram story and sharing a lot of photos. Yeah, it's. it's been an interesting kind of journey for the social media platform i think like many people um i brush it off as just another place for people to kind of show the fact that they've got their new car or that they're at a certain restaurant or and and saw it just as a way of kind of showboating i kind of always call it it's just like a constant high school reunion now like you know whenever you go to a high school or university reunion everyone's just kind of can't wait to tell you oh I've done this, I've done this, I've done this to kind of showboat a bit. And I think that's just, yeah, what I kind of saw social media as. However, I came across a guy a little while ago called uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and his take on social media is the greatest potential we've ever had in a lifetime as a business owner or potential business owner to document, document your life and your journey and your story um, in a way that people – will find interesting um and hearing him put it that way um and saying that even if you um are the biggest fan on smurfs then own that and be the go-to for smurfs because the world is so big there'll be other people that love smurfs as well and you could become the person who um you know is the smurf god kind of thing (laughs) so hearing that and kind of going well yeah okay why not i'm i run a business and how about I kind of I've got I hope some knowledge that people find interesting um, over ten years worth of running a business plus fifteen years in the industry um, of exercise physiology and fitness I think I know some things so maybe I'll just start kind of putting out information that um, would be valuable to people rather than posting a picture of a particular dinner that I'm sitting at or something like that so um, I have been that person. Um, and I cringe at some of the photos and things I've posted in the past. And they're there for all time. I thought about deleting everything up until the point of where I started now and just kind of having it 
solely that, but I thought, you know what, no, let people see who I was before and who I've become now kind of on social media to kind of, you know, see the whole story of what it's all been. But 100%, the moment I landed in um, France, I've kind of been gearing up to say, okay, Instagram is definitely the place um, that I've been spending most of my time on. Um, And I did make a conscious decision that I was going to post every single day two posts for the entire time that I was here. Um, And it was kind of my way of staying accountable to myself because while I've worked um, so much in my life, obviously I wanted to take some downtime while I was here. And that downtime could turn very quickly into kind of becoming very unproductive and being very difficult to come back to a world of work. So it was just a way of keeping me accountable to kind of put in, you know, I mean, people see a single post and they sit there and go, oh, okay, that's good and might just blink over it. But that blink, you know, that that usually takes me somewhere between an hour and a half to two hours per post um, to kind of put up to kind of get the copyright, to do the research on what I'm kind of talking about um, and making sure I'm obviously writing something that is legible and interesting and, you know, the grammar is, and I'm a terrible grammar um um, person so obviously I spend time on making sure I'm using the right words and the right context and things like that so um, yes it was certainly a conscious decision to kind of start doing posts that actually bring value to the world rather than I said just a post of a coffee in a coffee store kind of thing so um, and Instagram as you said I've been um, pushing heavily on that and um, I've learned from and been able to have um, some mentors and someone I had on a podcast as well who are very good at Instagram and um, I've learned a lot from them and kind of what to do and how to kind of go about it. And um, you're right, my engagement is certainly stepping up and my goal here was always, and it, it'll sound very small to um, people listening because some people on so, um, you know, Instagram these days have millions of followers, but my, my plan was always to have a 1,000 um, followers by the time I came back from um, this trip. So I, I was at about 500 followers or something um, before I left. Um, so I thought if I can put 500 extra followers on this, but more importantly, get my engagement up to have um, a minimum of two comments and a minimum of 50 likes per um, kind of post that I put up, um, I would be extremely happy. And um, it's a slow grind and a lot slower than I thought. I thought I'll just start putting up valuable information that people will love and they'll like it, they'll share it and I'll explode. But um, that is obviously not the case and it's not how it works. And um, but I have been um, seeing a huge increase in my engagement and I'm already now at 1,100 followers and you know, I'll get anywhere from five to sometimes 20 comments to a, to a post depending on um, if it's controversial or it's very interesting or whatever it may be. And of late, I've been putting up some controversial ones, which um, I love kind of stirring the pot a bit, but I truly believe in what I put up and I'm only very honest in my approach. So um, while it is controversial, it's certainly uh, my honesty and my truth. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that I've already passed what my goal was to be in six months time being here. Um, and now Amy, um, my wife has said, okay, well, you said a thousand, how about you try and reach 5,000 before we leave? And I was like, well, hang on, <laughs> let's, let's just slow down here a little bit. Let's maybe look at two. And she was like, no, push yourself, push yourself. So whatever that might come of, but I'm just, um, really enjoying, um, the engagement, um, you know, getting, getting comments from, um, people in the DMs or on the comment section and just, I love the world of social media and what it, the opportunities it brings. And someone messaged me yesterday and said, Adam, thank you so much for your information. Um, I actually came through your page through my coach in the Netherlands who said I should go and check you out. And I'm just like, how does that happen? Like, you know, I just love that, you know, someone from the Netherlands has spoken about me to someone who has now come to me. And I, 
I just love that and kind of being getting those messages. It's a selfish thing for me, but I get a lot of um, kind of happiness and enjoyment out of kind of seeing those comments coming through on people being very appreciative of what I'm doing. And um, it's, it's why I do it, you know, kind of to help people um, steer through the out there these days. There's a lot of snake oil salesmen trying to sell the idea that, you know, fitness and weight loss and living a happy and healthy life is an easy thing to do. And it's far from it. Um, And they're trying to sell their products and things like that. And I understand people, need to earn money, but I think um, you should always have in the back of your head what would your kids think of you um, and how you earned your money. I think that's much more important than how much you earn. Um, and I want to be a good example where my kids, should they you know, have to stand up in front of their classroom someday and, you know, the, the teacher says, what does your daddy um, and mummy do? And, you know, my daughter and, and any future kids can sit there proudly and go, my daddy's the no breakfast guy and he started <laughs> it, 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 it. And, you know, yeah, that would just bring me the absolute joy. And that's always my thought in the back of my mind. And anything I say or anything I do now is predicated on what would my kids think of me by saying that or doing that or selling that. As long as my thought is they would be proud of me, then I, I hit publish and I move forward. So cool, man, especially that Netherlands story. That's really, really cool. So, well, of course, we'll link up your Instagram um, in the show notes at the No Preface Guy. Um, I'm just on your page now, and as soon as you said, you know, you wanted to get to 1,000, I thought, hang on, I'm sure that he was at least at 900 last time I looked, so uh, well over 1,000, and you're getting over 50 likes on every photo, like you said, um, was your goal. Tell me a little bit, you talked about the controversial stuff, tell me a bit about what you think of the uh, network marketing health scams, and in particular Isogenics and the big boy coming up in one of the future posts. Yeah, I mean... I've never been a fan, um, as they'll call them, network marketing um, things, but um, I still see them as a pyramid scheme um, base. And there's a lot of things still going in court to kind of see how they are. And especially in, I mean, things that sell products um, that are of use to people, I don't see an issue with that. Like, that's fine. If you want to I know there's lingerie ones, things now, and all those kind of ones. I've got no problems with them whatsoever. I don't like the tactics sometimes they use because of the kind of way the remuneration systems are set up. However, they sell a product that people want. They can go for it. That's fine. But where I really have a big gripe is the fact that these companies have now moved into the health sector, um, and I see them as just the epitome of snake oil salesmen from you know the the early 19th century kind of thing where the guy would go in and say, here's this liver oil, rub it on you. And, you know, I, I just see them as that. And they're selling this idea that, um, yeah, it, weight loss and that is found in a bottle. Um, and, you know, here's the product that you need to buy and you'll um, have success and you'll be healthy and happy. And um, I just, yeah, I think it's a very, as I said, scummy, if that's the word I want to use, way of kind of going about it and kind of playing on people's fears and insecurities and, um, uh, I, I just don't like that kind of way of selling. And as I said, if my, if in the future my and we were very rich from it and things like that, but that's another thing because no one really ever gets kind of rich off uh, any of these kind of um, health um, kind of marketing systems. But that all said, even if we were to make money on it and I went down that road, if I had to look my daughter in the face and say we did it because I um, scammed people out of their money, I just would feel t- – I, I don't know how I would uh, ever kind of be there. So, yes – it is my absolute truth, but I know people who run these businesses in the health um, fitness and they're friends of mine, they're followers of mine, and so I've always held my tongue. Um, but 
again, uh, I was watching um, some information from another guy who was also, as I said, a, um, a guest on my podcast, um, Jordan Syatt, and he he's just a no guy. Tell it how it is. And there was something I was um, uh, watching of his or reading of his, and he was just said, the truth will always make you feel better or something along those kind of lines. I was like, you know what? I have to make these posts. Um, I, I have to get it off my chest. And whether the friends then say, you're an asshole and you know, how dare you say that about me kind of thing, I'm, I'm just going to have to live with that. They're obviously not the friends I knew then if that's the way they're going to kind of take it. So, um, so yeah, I, I uh, put out a post saying in the coming weeks I'm going to be kind of going over some of the, the um, MLMs in this health sector that I believe are just scams. And so I want you to know the information that's in behind these companies, the products they sell and kind of the claims they will say and um, why I think they're all a bunch of crap and you should stay well away from them. And if you're looking at them as a business opportunity, also here's some of the things that, um, you know, they're not telling you about them as a business opportunity. And so Isogenics was certainly a big one coming up and um, I knew a, people, a few people and someone did bite back um, <laughs> on it and it's been interesting to uh, converse with them. Um, but that's okay. I enjoy the healthy debate as long as it obviously doesn't get personal. I, I, I don't think her as a person um, is a bad person. I think it is coming from a good place in that she is genuinely wanting to help people. I just don't like the way she's helping people kind of thing. So, um, But, yes, Herbalife I know is the big one, and I'm spending a lot of time. I'm already writing that post now, and I reckon by the time I'm finished, I would have probably spent – six to ten hours on it i'm doing as much research as i can on it to really kind of put a big punch into the face of herbalife and i know it's going to annoy some people and whether people actually speak out against it or not i don't know but um yeah i it's the big daddy it's certainly not the worst of them in regards to kind of um the products they sell with the more research i'm doing into the ones i have done so far i still don't like their products and they're still a crappy product but um, they're not as bad as some of the ones I have come across. One coming up called Kiani, um, which is just the absolute definition of snake oil. Um, their products are just, yeah, absolute garbage. And um, it'll be interesting to see a couple of people I know who um, who are in that program and sell it heavily um, in the health um, sector, and they are health professionals themselves. It'll be interesting to see if any of them bite because um, – I can't wait to kind of call them out on their shitty products. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, it's so funny to hear you say that because I reckon I've been asked to sell every one of those products, including Kiani, um, from someone who – or from a few different people actually and quite a fair bit in Isogenics and also um, a couple of times from Herbalife. And if you want some um, something that packs a punch against Herbalife, there was this video on Facebook of this American sitcom like uh, – nighttime comedian i cannot remember his name but he just went to town on the company and he had all these it's um sorry i was gonna say it's john oliver yeah uh, last week tonight yeah i've uh, i've got some of his quotes in my um copy because yeah i'm i'm with you he he did a beautiful job on um kind of tearing apart the ceo and the things he was saying and there's a there's i mean i don't know if this is meant to be a clean show so i'm apologize if i'm saying something out of line here we'll but he used the yeah, he used the term rhino, um, rhino for one of his um, for one of the products because they bought one of the products, and he said that's what it tasted like. And so I'm going to use that quote in um, my copy and to say, look, this isn't mine because I've never tasted it, but this is what I've heard they taste like, kind of thing. So, so yes. Um, um, that's certainly some place I am getting some information from as well. But the hardest thing, as you just said, I know 
a lot of the people that sell these things personally and and I've been asked to sell them and let don't get me wrong I've actually very strongly considered selling them particularly in the early part uh, when I started when I first quit teaching in 2014 and started my uh, online sort of side of the business and was always sort of doing my boot camps and a little bit of personal training and that and when I first quit like I was just after any cent I could get to help pay the bills and I very nearly started selling almost every single one of them um, for that financial benefit but there was just always something holding me back something that just did not feel right um, for me to go and sell it and and I've been one that's always listened to my gut and I've started to listen to it more and more in recent years and there's for some reason there's just something that's just gone no don't do it Jacob and I just don't believe that you actually need to take any of that stuff if you eat clean healthy food vegetables meat whatever eat stuff that we've eaten for many many years why do you need to be eating something out of a pill i couldn't agree with you more and that was actually trying that was one of the arguments this person who was selling isogenics was trying to give me and then she was saying that um you know yes i'm always for wholesome and whole food and that's the way it should be However, that's just difficult for people to do, and so we should give them an easier way. And I'm like, no, just because something is difficult to do doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Like, I think we've become, um, again, is it controversial to say, but uh, I think we've become soft like um, as a society in that the moment where ever any of us are ever kind of faced with some sort of adversity or um, difficulty, so many of us just crumble. And I think that, that needs to be addressed um, in that we need to kind of, give people much more um, self-confidence in themselves that, okay, this is tough. This is a difficult situation I'm in, but how am I going to deal with it? How am I going to move forward? Instead of just rolling over and go, too difficult, I'm quitting, I'm trying something else kind of thing. And so um, that was a point I was trying to get across to her in that, no, I, I know it's difficult and it should be difficult, Like, um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a go. And she was like, no, 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 it's the reason why we have such an issue. And I'm like, I, I think you're completely wrong, but you know, um, obviously she has her opinion and I have mine. And so, um, and that's, as I said, it never got nasty or personal against each other. And I, I love that healthy debate. Obviously I'm always open to other people's points of view and opinions. Um, doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but, um, I'm certainly, uh, I enjoy those conversations. And as you said, if you, if you eat a proper diet and that can take time, that's not going to take, um, you're just going to kind of turn that on tomorrow. Um, you know, put in the effort to kind of, you know, source where your food comes from. Go into farmers markets. Don't just kind of head down to the shopping market. And I understand that that's more difficult for some people in the situations they're in or where they live and things like that. But if you do prioritise your health as your number one um, asset, um, I think people would um, find the time for it and um, actually prioritise that time. Yeah, time is a big one. We had a couple of power outages last night, and so we ended up going for a drive to the main big local shopping mall and got um, got some pizza actually, which was yum, and uh, <laughs> had had dinner down there just so we had some power. And we're talking about how it's so different now that we've got electricity that we've almost we're going oh we're too busy we've got all these things on and it's like if we didn't have electricity you probably would leave work at four o'clock in order to get home and prepare dinner and cook it while you still had sunlight probably on a on a fire um you know 
cook it somehow. I don't know. You know, you obviously don't have electricity. And then you'd end up being finished dinner and the kids would be bathed and ready for bed by, you know, almost dusk. And sometime around, you know, 6.30, you'd be sitting down and then what would you do? And we talked about how when we go camping, that's essentially how we live. And then you end up sort of sitting up and because you've got no power, you end up talking to each other. And, you know, there's only so much you can talk to each other at you know, you might talk for two hours from 6.30 to 8.30 and by then you're ready for bed. And, and I think electricity has certainly played a big part in how we, you know, artificially, I think, feel like we are busy. People are legitimately busy, but I think that people, and myself included, make themselves busy because we've got this electricity and we can, we can do so. We can fill more time into our day. And as a result, kind of food over the last whatever, 50 years or so, has then played less of a part in our lives in terms of preparing it. And uh, I feel like it's sort of coming back now. People are taking more time and energy to go and source good, wholesome food and, and prepare food, and, and food's sort of making a comeback, I think. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think um, it's because of electricity that gave us TVs that then gave us MasterChef. I think shows <laughs> like that have actually, as you said, put the idea of cooking at home and that you can cook good meals. Now, don't get me wrong, the, sh- the shows like MasterChef and that are so artificial and, you know, the back end of kind of how they're all created. But that said, you know, every person has the ability to kind of cook up nice meals at home. And I think shows like that have kind of given the confidence to people to say, oh, okay, I don't have to go and just buy quick takeaway, which I want to make something very clear. I'm all for kind of, um, you know, sustainability in life. I, I don't want people to kind of get the idea that um, all I drink is, uh, eat is grass-fed kind of Wagyu beef and, you know, all those kind of, you know, things like that. I'm all for, you know, eating and enjoying the food you um, love, but obviously talking that moderation game. But you're so right. I think um, food um, is playing a much more important um, role in people's lives. Um, now because of, I think, you know, shows like Master Chef and things like that and people can have that confidence that, um, oh, I can cook a pretty nice meal and things like that. And so I think that's great to see um, and that um, people are now putting more time um, into kind of what their food is, where it's coming from and then what they're feeding to themselves and their kids. Isn't it funny how we both came into the health and fitness industry through the fitness stream and now we're spending a lot more time sort of in the health stream and more specifically in terms of food and nutrition. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something I thought I'd never do. Um, I, I do distinctly remember kind of going into the university degree um, and saying I will never be a personal trainer and weight loss guy. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. It's, I understand there's a need for it, but it's not a need I want to, um, kind of feel like kind of help with. Um, I'll let other people who are much better at that. Um, and I think that probably comes from, I'm used to be, I would say not a very empathetic person. Um, I would kind of, yeah, sit there and say to people, just do it. What's your problem? And not understand someone's situation and actually work with that, um, situation. And, um, Obviously, I've gone ahead and written a book um, in weight loss and kind of you spoke uh, before about intermittent fasting and that came from um, my sister's um, kind of need for me to actually listen to her and need to help her because she was um, um, incredibly overweight and um, mum and dad, or my mum especially, came to me and said, we need to do something to help her out. And so it 
it was kind of born out of the want to help my sister, um, and I'm great to say that we've certainly uh, taken a big step in helping her out, which is great. Um, but in talking to her and seeing her journey to kind of where she is now, I certainly became a lot more empathetic um, to kind of people's issues, people's concerns, people's worries, and actually listen to that rather than just hear it and kind of brush it aside and just say, well, just do the work. What's what's your problem? I, I know you're busy here, but just do it kind of thing. So understanding and kind of how that works in the real world, though, um, and I'm you know, I still love the kind of exercise physiology field and I'll certainly always be a part of that. Obviously, I still have a business in that and um, I, I can't wait to actually get back and kind of um, do more work in that. But I am really enjoying um, the kind of, yeah, the, the weight loss um, kind of field because I think it's obviously a very important part um, and something needs to be done because we do have a very big issue not only in Australia but around the world. Um, and... I'm, I'm finding a new sector of people um, that I would never have come across and um, people who are just concerned about their health and concerned about what their, um, what their lives are going to be like and just are just absolutely clueless to what they can do because they've tried everything. Um, and it's just, it's been a really, um, yeah, a humbling experience to kind of meeting many of these people um, and trying to help them um, along their journey to a, a happier, healthier life. Yeah, well, let's talk about that book then, as you mentioned. So the book's called Start Late, Stay Light, and we'll link it up in the show notes of where you can buy it online. I got my copy through Amazon, and it came in literally like a couple of days from the US to Darwin. So good company, that one. Um, and I've also got the ebook which I purchased um, when you first brought it out. But um, tell me, so a book is essentially a snapshot in someone's life. So this was written at one point in your life and you'll evolve as a, as a person um, personally and also in the health and fitness industry and your beliefs and, and what you know, um, and that will slightly change. So tell me how empathetic you were. Where were you at the time when you wrote this book? Were you already Were you just saying, just do it, or is it where you were starting to change and to become a bit more empathetic? Um, it was, It kind of... I remember when doing my master's um, thesis and finishing that and having that kind of, it was almost a book. I mean, it was 40-something thousand words, that thesis. So it was a substantial kind of um, piece. And I remember putting it on, like, the I had it all bound and nicely done and things like that. I'm obviously just handing it into school. I handed it in as it was. But when it um, was that, I remember having a sense of pride putting it on my shelf. And I'm like, that's a cool achievement i have a book on a shelf that has my name on it and you know and you know there it is kind of thing for uh life to always know it's there and i can show it to my kids and things like that in the future um and it was just always in the back of my head that i thought that was a pretty cool thing to do um and writing a book because um as i think i jokingly said a while ago i think if you had asked the year my year 12 english teacher of all of the students who do you think is most least likely to write a book they would have pointed to me because, as I said, my English skills um, are not good at all. I don't read books a whole lot myself. Um, I don't enjoy reading. I mean, I enjoy reading a lot of textbooks now. I sound really enjoyable. You know, my Friday nights are uh, sitting there reading textbooks. But <laughs> um, but reading never came natural to me. I don't enjoy it. And so um, writing a book was just the furthest thing from my mind um, ever. But as I said, it was – a day I won't forget when my mother um, called me and, you know, almost in tears basically saying, you know, 
our my sister, our you know, our daughter, um, is going to um, you know be dead soon if we don't do something um, to help her out. Adam, you need to help her out. And I said, like, I've tried. I've done everything I can to help her in the past. She just doesn't want to take my help. And I understand that coming from a brother. You know, no one wants to hear their big brother tell them what to do kind of thing. But mum was like, no, I don't care. You have to do something. And um, hearing that kind of in her voice, I knew it was different this time than um, in the past. And so I just started researching um, how how else could I help. You know, I'd always, as I said, been very unempathetic in the past to not only my sister but to other people who needed to lose weight. It's like just eat clean, move more, and that's all there is to it and kind of simplified that far too easy. But obviously in the real world, that works, but implementing that is a very difficult thing to do for people who have never done it. Um, and I think that's a mistake so many trainers and coaches make that we as health professionals have probably been around sport or a healthy family or a, um, you know, a sporty type world that fitness and just eating well most of the time just comes natural to us. And so we think it is very easy to do. Um, and so people who have never exercised, never had the education around good quality food or come from a place that just has never, um, experienced a home cooked meal. Like mum cooked a a home cooked meal for us every night. So cooking to me doesn't seem a, a foreign thing, but for some families eating out every night is what they do. So kind of, yeah, teaching. So yeah, kind of long story short, um, Kind of, I just started uh, investigating ways of how could I else, how else could I help my sister? And um, I did a series on YouTube um, called Seven Diets in Seven Weeks. Um, in yeah, Seven Diets in Seven Weeks. Um, and I basically went and tried because I thought, well, these fad diets are out there and people do succeed on them. So what is about those that people do find appealing? So I went and did them all. I became a vegetarian for a week. Um, I became a paleo for a week. Um, I quit sugar for a week. Um, and a number of other different ones I went through as well. Um, and in that journey, I came across um, fasting. It wasn't one of the diets I did, but in that journey, just researching, I came across fasting. And um, obviously, like us all, I had been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and anyone who skips it is doing ill of their health and people who skip it are always overweight and people who skip it um you know can never find success and you know you're not going to have any energy and all those things we've all heard um but here was um some information that you know contradicted that and i have to admit the first piece of information i came across was from a very I say in quote bro science guy, and so I didn't. I took it with a grain of salt. You know, he was a guy who clearly has very good genetics, loves fitness, loves exercise. Just happens to not eat breakfast. How how can I really take his word for it? So I went and looked a little further into it, and you know, went over to PubMed. Um, I've got a couple of uh, um, memberships to journal articles and things like that. So I kind of looked up on there, and is there much research into fasting and? is breakfast really the most important meal of the day and kind of asking that question. And the more and more and more I looked into it, not only were there benefits to skipping breakfast for weight loss, um, but my kind of ethos has always been, what what about your health though? It's all good and all to kind of lose weight, but what does it do for your health? Um, And it was just amazing to see some of the research, and it's still early days, but some of the research that was going um, being done and has been done and showing the incredible health benefits to such an array of different conditions and things 
um, such as cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, epilepsy and um, in kids and things like this um, was just incredible to see in cancer treatments as well, which is a huge one that they're really looking at now. But um, I thought, okay, there's something more to this. And um, that then spawned um, this idea that I'll help this with my sister um, and she, you know, started to see success from it. And at the moment, she's currently 35 kilos down um, and still on a journey where, um, and there's been ups and downs, don't get me wrong. It's not a magic pill. You still have to do um, the hard work. But the thing I found is weight loss is never easy, but this made it more simple to implement um, for people. And um, the more I get to talk to people now and kind of introduce them to the world of fasting, and I always get the kickback of, isn't that the most important meal of the day? Why no starve? And obviously um, talking to those concerns and kind of um, giving them the reassurances and showing research and not just, you know, don't just take my word for it. I want people to be critical of everything you hear from whether it be me or from um, Bob who's trying to sell some sort of product, whatever it may be, always be critical and see, you know, look more into it. And, um, and yeah, I saw that it was successful and I thought um, I'll see if this can be successful with some other people as well. So, um, mum said, I want to support Sarah. So how about I give it a go? So my mum started doing it and she, um, she lost some 27 kilos. Um, and she hasn't been as light or as fit or as healthy than she has been since she was in high school, which is fantastic to see. And then some cousins and some aunties and a lot of friends and family mainly kind of, I've seen your mum, I've seen your sister, what are they doing? And so it kind of spawned from there. And I thought, there's something more to this than just skipping breakfast. And so um, I was lucky enough to be, again, consuming some um, um, content and a guy who started a company um, called Book in a Box. And basically they're a one-stop shop um, of a place that have copywriters, ghostwriters, publishers, graphic artists, just everything you ever need. And his um, mantra on his company is called um, We Turn Ideas Into Books. Um, and I thought, well, I can't write to save my life. And I had tried um, once this was – I started trying to, well, maybe I'll write a book in it kind of thing, but it was just going nowhere. Um, and so I, I went to my wife with my hands um, clasped together and said, can I take a big chunk of our savings and you know pay this company to help me write this book because I think it's going to change the world and I think it can really do a lot of good for the world. Um, and again, if anyone knows me, I'm a serial entrepreneur and so I always have ideas, but I'm always jumping from one to the other. <laughs> um, and she said, is this not just going to be another one of your ideas? And I was like, no, this is something that you know is to my core and just feels right that we should do. And even if it only sells one copy and it saves one person's life, I know it's an expensive life to be saved, but that is everything um, to me. And I was lucky enough that um, my wife said, all right, do it i can see what it's done for your sister and i can see that there's something different in you this time it's something that you are going to stick with kind of thing and um it took me probably a year um to kind of get this book done um with this company it was certainly not an easy process and it was a time that we were looking to move overseas it was a time we had just had um or were having our child and had our child the business was obviously um still doing well and so it was a time that nearly killed me um i was doing as I said, 15 hours a day still, six days a week with my business, but then every other waking moment I had, I was spending time on this book, but then also getting ready to move over to France. And so it was a time that nearly killed me, um, but I'm glad I did it and I'm really happy with the book. There's there's going to be an addition too that we will update because, as you said, it's always evolving. There's some things in there that I think need to be changed, 
but as the book as it stands now, if um, people do follow the program and it's got a full 16 week program in there, all of the food you need to do, all of the exercise you need to do, you just basically follow it from T to T. And then it's got the story that I basically just said then of how I came to kind of finding out about this. But then it goes into much more detail about the sciencey side. I didn't want the book to be a real science kind of information based book because that's just dry and it's boring. But there is some science in there, so you can kind of have some reassurance that this isn't just um, something that is an idea of mine. There is, you know, some very very reputable people around the world that are doing research and who are far smarter than me that um, you should pay much more attention to than just some guy from uh, Melbourne telling you to skip breakfast. So. Um, I'm really happy with the book and I love um, the book and um, it, it did it did really well. It was um, an Amazon number one bestseller in the health sector and I always kind of um, – the 5-2 diet that Mike Mosley is obviously about fasting. It's a different version of the fasting um, diet, but um, I was um, ahead of him for a week um, on Amazon and I kind of I, – I, 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 yeah, I was quite chuffed with that and quite happy with that um, – and um, as I said, the, I'm really happy with the book and it's now spawned into another business. So I now run um, a coaching business um, called Start Late, Stay Light. And, um, and yeah, it's just it's been amazing to kind of um, see the effect that this kind of lifestyle is having on people's lives. And as I said, it's a selfish thing, but I just love getting those, those thank yous. It's just something that just fills me with so much joy that you know, people from around the world now can be um, – getting my book and I get pictures from all over the world because I, as you said, it's available on Amazon in all of the um, markets. So amazon.co.uk.com, which is in America, it's in Brazil, it's in Spain, like it's just everywhere. And I get text messages, not um, every single day, but I do get them. And um, it's just, whenever I do receive them, I just, I, I have a little kind of, yeah, touchy moment to myself and go, that's, that's pretty special. And that's pretty amazing. And yeah, I love it. Oh man. The, Fitness programs which are in this book are extremely comprehensive. You've got three programs for average Susie for 16 weeks and three programs for 16 weeks for, um, for average Bob. And like, and then at the end you've got all these different types of workouts and I looked at them and thought, I'm going to try them. And you've got like how to eat, you know, like to go into the nutrition side of it and it says, you know, Monday meal one, two, three and four and so on and like – but just the workouts which are in here are like multiple different programs that you could be selling individually. It's a, it's very good value for money, this book. No, I I thank you very much for that um, compliment. And it was something I really wanted to do. And um, I do see far too often um, on social media these days, people selling, as you said, you know, there's probably about four or five different products in that book in itself and so many of those products these days that people do sell are $39 for this or $49 for that but um, I wanted the book to be a place that people as you said if here's your program you know, you don't have to think about a thing I wanted to make it as simple as possible um, as, as you rightly said it's not easy um, the program um, is for beginners right up to um, advanced um, people in the exercise you know I think a lot of people from all different walks can get a lot out of it um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely put that time in to make sure that this was um, a book that, um, yeah, as I said, people could just follow and get everything they ever needed from and make it as simple to follow as, um, as possible. And um, this is just something that's coming off the off my head and I'm happy to offer this to your, your audience. The ebook version, um, to anyone who's listening to this now, um, if you email me, I'll give it to you for free. So um, 
Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's normally, I think it's ten or fifteen dollars on um, as the, as an ebook. But um, yeah, anyone listening to this now and that offer open is for the rest of time. Whenever this, um, whenever iTunes takes everything down. But um, if you ever come across this, um, email me and um, the book the book is yours for free. And if you happen to want to go and buy the hard copy, then by all means go and buy that if you wish. But um, the ebook, yeah, is free to uh, your audience. That's awesome, man. Um, what I really like about it, as you know, I'm all about the mindset. I love, I love the brain, and the podcast at the end of the day is called the Mind Your Body Podcast. I love how the book you start with. It's all about happiness, uh, and you, and in that first chapter, you talk about understanding your why, and that's just so important when you are trying to lose weight. Understanding exactly, deeply to your core why you actually want to lose weight and sometimes just because people tell you to or because you know you should it's just not enough you have to actually want to do it and connect with that why and and as you said happiness always comes first yeah very true i mean that again spawned obviously from um our talks earlier and kind of why i'm here and um obviously spending time with my my family and my daughter and um you know she my daughter and obviously my wife as well but my daughter is my why. Um, so no matter what life throws at me or how difficult things get or how much I just don't want to go for a workout or whatever it might be, um, I always think, you know, why am I doing this? Well, because I want to be a good example to my daughter. I want her to see a fit, healthy dad and I want her to have me around for you know decades to come because I am there because I'm fit and healthy and I can play with her. I can run about with her and the day that we can go for a run together is the day that I'll probably break down in tears because um, I love running so much and to have her run alongside me would just be an absolute life-changing moment so I, I look forward to that day but as you said it's there is nothing that can be thrown in my in my way that is too difficult or that I don't want to do when my why is is to be a good example for her so I'll go out of my way to always make sure that that's my uh, my my north star kind of thing so so yeah so let's start winding this down then with how if people are listening to this and they're going mm, this intermittent um, fasting thing sounds really interesting i actually work with a guy who used to do three day fast where he wouldn't eat for three days um but for any whatever type of intermittent fasting it is and how do people get into it like how do they start is there anything they need to prepare for or how would they go about it um the short answer to that is nothing. Um, I think starting is always the biggest hurdle. Um, and whether it's an excuse or whether it's a fabricated kind of fear that you have inside you or a very real fear that you have inside you to starting anything, be that a new job or be that moving overseas or be that a weight loss program, um, understand that starting is always the most difficult part. And so if you can start, I guarantee you the rest will come a lot easier. So um, I always just say go cold turkey with it and see how you react. If it's not for you straight off, then, okay, let's change some things up. But just rip the Band-Aid off and tomorrow don't have breakfast. Um, And you might get until 10 o'clock. I always try and work on kind of a 16 to 18-hour fasting window. Um, And that's, again, from the research I've read, but there's certain things that happen um, with that kind of timeline of a fasting we know for your health, but um, it also makes eating less a lot easier because obviously you're cutting down the time that you are eating, and so that's where the weight loss side um, comes in. Um, but yeah, just rip the bandaid off and give it a go, and um, see how you go. Most people, as I said, fear that by nine o'clock, ten o'clock, when 
you know, they're at work or something like that will be gnawing their arm off. But um, within a couple of days, your body, you know, give your body credit. You know, we've been around for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years and, you know, we've existed because our body and, and evolved and thrived because our body is just an incredible um, machine, uh, for lack of a better word. And so give it some credit. You know, you will be fine um, if you just kind of trust that your body will take care of you and um, and it will. So rip the Band-Aid off, give it a go. You might get to 9.30, 10 o'clock where you want to have something to eat um, and that's completely fine on day one. Um, you know, maybe have a piece of fruit to kind of tie you over for the next couple of hours. I always say make sure you have plenty of hydration. Water is a great way of keeping um, your uh, kind of hunger at bay. Um, I also do say that if you have coffee, it must be black because black coffee has no calories. If you add any milk or sugar or anything like that, obviously you're adding calories and you are breaking your fast. So, But I actually did come across some research only recently in the last week or two where they're saying even coffee, even black coffee with no calories, um, because of your circadian rhythm and how your body kind of interacts in the morning, um, anything that kind of stimulates that idea that you're starting your day and coffee is one of those things um, can actually stop the kind of fasting process, which is really interesting stuff. So I'll be looking more into that. But at the moment, I still say, you know, have coffee, it blunts appetite. Um, the caffeine um, is a really good appetite suppressant. So if you love your coffee, um, I say it in the book, I, I hate coffee. I don't even like the smell of it. I don't like being around it. Um, however, um, I understand people do love their coffee. And I say, instead of just making a quick instant kind of black coffee, I, I say in the book, go and find a, a local barista that's on your way to work or and, and, you know, shop around and kind of find one that you can then actually begin to enjoy a coffee rather than just have it as your way to wake up in the morning. Go and actually enjoy the coffee and enjoy the process of how it's made and talk to your barista. You know, meet someone new and talk to someone new and get, you know, a relationship going. And I think, you know, human interaction is great and we're doing less of it these days in person to person. So, I say, yeah, use that as, an, as a way to kind of go and meet someone new. And, um, yeah, as a, as a, again, to kind of – I'm blabbering on a bit, but um, coffee can be a great way to kind of um, um, bring down that appetite kind of and wanting to eat. Um, but, yeah, rip the Band-Aid off, see how you go. And most people that um, I've either trained or I've spoken to or coached or helped um, and used this method, within three to four days, they're not even thinking about food. And within a month um, – you're really beginning to thrive and really feel um, the difference. You'll feel the difference within a week or two weeks, but you'll really notice that difference and really um, begin to appreciate just how amazing your body is. Within a good month to six weeks, um, the kind of processes that start to happen um, and the the big you know positives to your health that come from fasting really start taking um, an effect and um, – yeah, I'd love to hear comments from people. And, um, you know, as I said, you're always happy to reach out to me via email or just put them through Jacob and um, he can let me, you, know, you can let me know of um, people who might have given it a go. Um, but I love hearing, you know, the story is 99 times out of 100 is, Adam, I've never felt so better. I've got more energy. I'm, I'm sleeping better. I don't have these slumps in the morning. Um, I'm not hungry. I'm feeling great. I I work out better, I, you know, all of these kind of comments I, I love hearing and it's, yeah, it's just amazing that um, that simple um, – well, not simple, it's, it's, it is a difficult change, but that very easy um, kind of um, thing to do or just change can have such a dramatic effect on your life. Yeah, now if anyone does uh, want to get in touch with you and 
sort of, you know, anyone can start fasting. Um, but if anyone does want some help and guidance along the way, then we'll link you up in the show notes and uh, put your email address there and then they can send you an email and you can help them through and with what to expect and, and how to do it. So it uh, sounds like a very, very interesting um, way to look after yourself. <laughs> it's uh, something that you've almost made a career out of now. Yeah, and um, as you kind of said that you you knew someone that uh, was doing three-day fast, that's something I'm now looking more into because, um, again, there's more research going into some longer um, fasting and what it can do for the immune system. And, um, again, uh, a personal side of mine, my nan died from Parkinson's and kind of forms of dementia and things like that. Um, and looking more into the research to kind of maybe go down the route of helping um, those kinds of people who are suffering from those hor- horrific conditions and then the families having to see, obviously, their loved ones go through that. Um, maybe this is another way that um, we can kind of help um, prevent or maybe um, decrease symptoms because some of the research is showing that these longer fasts of um, two and three and four, and some of them are seven days long, um, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm certainly experimenting with some longer fast. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's just interesting some of the information that's um, and research that's kind of starting to come to light with with what that is doing for the immune system. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm really interested to see where this space goes and what um, what evolves from it. I'll be interested to hear on that on um, in your future endeavours on what uh, happens with even longer fasts, in particular like ten days, because Holly, my partner, did the. 10-day master cleanse um, and I did not tell her to do it I have to put a caveat out there because as soon as I say that she did it everyone's like why did you let her do that <laughs> <laughs> and it was not my idea whatsoever and I actually suggested oh just be careful but she'd come across it and of course Beyonce made it famous a few years back she, I'm not sure why she wanted to do it I've got an inkling it might have been to do with weight loss but she says it was to do with cleansing particularly colon cleansing and I don't Mm-hmm. necessarily agree with that and I did write a blog about about that and a lot of my blogs I try not to give too much opinion in them at the moment I'm not anyway and I haven't for the last two years I might that could change but um yeah. I did sort of just put out the facts on colon cleansing and uh, and at the end of it you know I pretty much did say that the colon cleanses itself and and so does the intestine so you don't really need to go and cleanse it but she nonetheless went and did this master cleanse and she actually she didn't make the whole 10 days but she did nine days and so she didn't eat anything except for what they suggest, which was like this lemon drink with cane pepper. Um, so it was distilled water, cane pepper, and a squeeze of lemon or something. I'm not sure if there's anything in it. And I'm not, I don't know a lot about fasting, so I don't know if lemon, you know, um, kicks into gear the digestive system or what. But, um, yeah, I was absolutely shocked that she actually made it as long as she – I was ready for her to collapse at any moment. And she never looked like she did. But she actually – uh, it took the first three days was really tough. I think on day three she really wanted to eat. Day four I think was her hardest, and um, and then I think it just was really easy for her after. That. It just became routine. It was almost like a habit, um, and I love to talk about habits. And um, the research I've found on habits, just a little side note, is that there is no set you know three months or twenty one days or whatever. It's habits are kind of is relative to the situation, um, but I yeah. feel like she really um got into that habit and that was the big difficult part for her was the behavior of not eating so i'm really interested to read or hear or watch what you come up with in terms of um those really long fasts 
Yeah, it's um. I mean, there's talk of some people doing complete fast where they don't even have water um, in it because even water can pot- potentially have um, side effects to the fasting and things like that. But um, I'm not too sure I agree with that because I think yeah, hydration is extremely important. So, but again, I'm always open to um, reading some of these things and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just as interested as, um, as you say you are to obviously hear about these things. I'm interested to kind of I, – I consider myself the guinea pig of my own um, kind of design in that, you know, if I'm talking about something or I'm doing something or saying to people, hey, give this a go, it's, it's not until I've kind of given it a thorough go myself. I don't just like, hey, I read this, try it. Um, I do like kind of putting myself through those um, things before I kind of uh, ask people to kind of maybe listen to me and say – so then I can have a kind of perspective on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely keen on trying, you know, maybe a three. I, I don't know whether I'd make four, but again, it, it'd be interesting to see how the body does go. And from people that I have spoken to who have done it, um, they say it is a very enlightening um, thing. And actually, sorry, again, it's really off topic, but I actually just heard, um, was listening to a podcast the other day and it was talking about fasting and the kind of culture um, of it and where different cultures uh, include it. And they were talking about a Japanese um, kind of practice where um, these monks um, in Japan in these kind of, um, you know, temples up in the mountains um, actually fast themselves to death. Um, and it's a way to kind of immortalize themselves. Um, and it starts off small with, you know, eat, eating certain things, but it basically helps the body preserve itself. So when they then actually eventually die from starvation, um, and it takes, I think, a thousand days or something, they go without food, basically. Um, And it was an incredible talk, um, but it is a huge honor for them to um, do that. But what, while that was an incredible thing to hear, what I heard in that and what I heard loud and clear was that people think we're going to die if we don't eat for a day or for two, but we have huge energy stores in our body. And I, I have heard one quote somewhere that we have 100,000 calories of fat. Even the, one, even the leanest person um, you know, has you know, about 100,000 calories of fat, which can be tapped in as energy um, to fuel our bodies. Um, so if we're you know, 20 or 30 kilos overweight, we have even more than that. And so this idea that we will die and starve within a couple of days is, um, is just – unfounded and you won't it's not going to be comfortable as you said your partner holly um you know three days in she was wanting to eat and she probably wasn't um feeling great but the body will still still survive and you'll still move on and you know there is a point where your body goes okay food's not coming in what am i going to do because it doesn't want to die either (laughs) um so your body will start you know producing pathways that you can get energy from internal and i i think that's just incredible that our body just in a few short days can adapt so quickly to that. And, and as I said before, you know, give your body credit. It's an incredible machine of what it can do and what it can achieve. Um, and I'm certainly not suggesting if you've never fasted before, you've never given a go, don't even think about, um, you know, doing extended fasts, um, start small, you know, always, um, you know, start from the kind of beginning. Um, but yeah, I think it's fascinating that, you know, there's, these monks that are going a thousand days without food and it kills them. And that's obviously not a good thing, but that's, that's part of their culture and it's what they do, but they don't die until a thousand days. Like you've got time with a couple of days. You'll be all right. (laughs) There's me freaking out about 10 and, and she certainly didn't start small. She went boom straight for the 10. No, no waiting. Um, yeah. So I like to wrap these, uh, that's probably a good note to finish this on. I reckon. Um, 
I like to wrap. <laughs> I like to wrap these episodes up by doing a quick fire ten. So as you know, all my stuff is around the number ten. Uh, so I've come up with ten things I want to ask you to get your very first opinion on the first thing that comes to your mind. It might be a question which you can answer, or just give me a thought, a word, a sentence, a story, whatever. Um, whatever comes to mind first, we'll go through those ten, and um, yeah, you give me whatever comes to mind first. So you up for it? Sounds good, and um, I know I waffle, so I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. All right, go as much as you want. Number one, London, Paris, or Melbourne? Melbourne. Work ethic? Crucial. Dream car? That's, that's a contentious uh, um, topic. Um, that comes from watching you, your Instagram. Yeah. Um, that If you had spoken to me any time up until I had my child, um, I've always been a guy who has, has had the poster of a Lamborghini on my wall. And so um, I would love to own a Lamborghini um, one of these days. And I think it'll still happen. It's certainly, um, you know, I'll, I'll be pretty happy if that does happen. But that said, my dream car as a family guy that not only is as quick as a Lambo but would then have the practicality to be able to take the kids to um, school or to soccer or whatever it might be um, is the Audi RS6. If Go and just YouTube that car and, oh, my God, that thing is just a dream. So, so yes, that would be my dream car or dream cars. Nice. Health network uh, multi-level marketing. A scam. Meal prep. Um, difficult to do, but, um, prioritize it. It's, um, it's, uh, very important. I noticed Light and Easy was in the book. Uh, writing a book. <laughs> um, don't do it. <laughs> um, I say that, I say that jokingly. Um, as I said, it was, it was one of the toughest things I've ever done. And, um, is it a process I would want to go through again? Probably not. But, um, then again, it was a very strong passion of mine to kind of obviously, help my sister and that's where it came from. So, I mean, if it's coming from a place where you're extremely passionate and you're ready to get kicked in the face daily and you're happy to get back up from that and keep going forward, then 100% make it something you do and, um, you know, and just get ready for it being very, very difficult. Number seven's a bit lighter. Favourite food? Um, I'm going to either have to say pizza or ice cream. I'm a big ice cream fan. I love my ice yes. cream. Um, but, but yeah, if, um, if I had to eat one thing for the rest of my life, um, it would be pizza. I think it's got all the ingredients you ever need. It's got carbs, it's got veggies, and it's got uh, protein. <laughs> I love ice cream too. Number eight, favorite type of exercise? It has to be uh, either the gym or running. Um, they're, they're two different beasts um, in that I love the gym and I love kind of lifting heavy stuff um i know that makes it sound very simple but it is as simple as that um i I, as i said i just love the feeling of feeling strong and feeling um like i can do stuff um but running is my meditation um my wife understands that um and as i said anyone who's got kids i implore you to make sure you have time on your own that is away from um them i think it's healthy um to do and so running is that time i i um have Two to three runs a week. One of them is a very long run. Um, I love, you know, going out for an hour and a half, sometimes even longer. Um, I take no music. I don't do anything at all um, except run and just enjoy the surroundings. And, yeah, it's my meditation. So, yeah, either running or the gym. But, yeah, I do love my running. 
Absolutely right on cue because number nine, as my door is about to be beaten down, I don't get too long. It's been an hour and 20 minutes and the family's about to come back in and <laughs> smash their way through the door. Number nine, being a father. Um, greatest experience of my life. And last one, if you could go, which would you choose? To either go back in time to an event or to meet a person or to go forward in time to an event or to meet a person? Oh, great question. Um, my absolute idol for work ethic, and I've spoken about work ethic over and over and over, is Bruce Lee. Um, and I even, I've even tattooed him on my body. I have a big tattoo of him on my back um, and have a quote that um, I'm going to be tattooing underneath that called, um, what is it? Um, the key to immortality is first living a life worth remembering. Um, and so if I could go and meet him and have dinner with him, um, that would be pretty special. But that said, I'm a curious guy and I'd love to know where the future's heading. But no, I'd definitely go back in time and meet Bruce Lee. Interesting answer. Adam Martin, thanks for being on the Mind Your Body podcast. I wish you well with all your future endeavors and uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday in France and in London. I appreciate the moment. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, been a blast. Are you frustrated that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you plan to eat, no matter how much you intend to exercise, you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals? Do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down? What if there was something you were missing? What if eating healthy was actually enjoyable? What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.